trophy. The tree of Fanti is a point away. Zverev double fault from Sasha Zverev. That's how his tournament comes to an end. For Daniel Medvedev, a third Masters title, a first in Paris, and a first title from his first final of 2020. He will be the new world number four on Monday. He is the champion in Paris. And now a smile from Daniel Medvedev. Two hours and seven minutes. He gets his second career win over Sasha Zverev. 5-7-6-4-6-1. Huge congratulations to Daniel Medvedev, a fourth Masters final. He now has a return of three Masters title, coming into form at just the right time. And he's going to be, next week, the new world number four. Hello and welcome to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Gigi Sam alongside Miles McLagan. And Miles, for Daniel Medvedev, coming into form at just the right time. He, he certainly is. Um, I'm not sure there's a wrong time to come into form, but this is a good time. We haven't had a lot of tennis we wanted. Uh, we, we've only had three Masters 1000s this year, and yeah, he's come out on top, and of course, with, with London still to come. What a week it was for him. He talked, said he didn't come in feeling particularly good, but he certainly left Paris feeling very good about his tennis. It felt a turning point was that round of 16 meeting with Alex de Menor when he dropped the first set. He turned it round. He would then lose just the four games to complete that match. Clean sets, clean sweep against Dierk Schwartzman, the same thing against Milos Raonic. I, I agree with you because that match was not going his own way. Similar sort of players, you know, very quick who, who, who defend well, who make things extremely difficult for his opponent. And it was Medvedev who was sort of scratching his head a little bit, thinking, you know, I'm not sure my way around this guy. But but Dimonor could not hold that mental intensity. And as you said, Medvedev went on from there, a, a comfortable win against Schwartzman, who perhaps maybe just lost a little of his intensity because you know his main goal was quarterfinals. It was going to take a miracle for Karenia Busta. To, to take that spot from him, so possibly felt like he'd done his job. Uh, Raonic, the big server, he can, you know, we know how effective a Canadian can be when he's when he's on form. And boy, that final, it was, you know, that's Daniel Medvedev playing some some excellent tennis and uh, just looking every bit, you know, part of his ranking. He's going to move up now, isn't he, to, to number four? And uh, he certainly looks the part. He had to work so hard against Sasha Zverev. He was broken to concede the first set when there was very little between the two. And something else that he's shown through this final through this tournament is how well he's controlled his emotions. I've kind of got used to him. I don't know whether it's the crowd that brings it out of him, but these sarcastic <laughs> thumbs up and the and the grinning towards his box. Absolutely none of that this week in Paris. He was very controlled, very disciplined. And, and you know, it's sometimes it's maturity. He knows what's... Um, He's starting to learn what's best yeah. for him, how to channel his, his energies. Um, yeah, and perhaps we, we don't know if Medvedev's one of them, but a lot of players would have done a lot of thinking in, in the lockdown. And something, you know, was quite interesting, I thought, as we saw some players watching the tennis as well. That might That's going to be interesting to see what comes out of it if coaches had finally saw what I was talking about and spent some time watching matches. But, um, yes, yeah, so a very mature, mentally strong performance from Medvedev. It just does, it doesn't look as though he's going to go away, which is part of the sort of poker game of tennis. And for me, it was a quote from Milos Raonic, who Medvedev defeated in the semi-finals. He was asked about Medvedev and how he's playing, and Raonic believes he might be playing better tennis than in 2019, and we think, how is that possible? Because he reached nine finals in 2019, and he won four titles, and one of the things that Raonic put that down to was the intangibles of confidence. I mean, that, that can work wonders, kind of. It sort of it certainly adds, and we don't know how much uh, um, in terms of 
percentage, but uh, it, it's certainly a lot. I think he's good enough, Medvedev, that even with with less confidence, he's still going to be a very good player. That's what they do. They, you work within a band of your level, but um, it's going to be fascinating now going forward to London with the confidence he has. He talked about it saying, you know, I, I feel good on, on court. Um, th- there's a few that will feel that way. You know, obviously, Djokovic is still, I think, going to be the man to beat. Zverev has played a lot of tennis. He was probably a little bit tired at, at the end there. Of course, Rafa's always a warrior. Um, is going to make it tough for him to beat. It's not, it hasn't been ha- happy hunting ground here or London for him. But there's a few guys I- in the mix. And a word on Sasha Zverev, who had to defeat Stan Wawrinka and Rafa Nadal, among others, to book his spot in his first final in Paris. You talked about the amount of tennis he's played recently. He came into this final 12 matches unbeaten, having picked up those two titles in Cologne. Yeah, and, and going back before that, a, a great run in New York. <laughs> what a final that was. It was a, a tough semi-final too. His French Open, you know, he's still got that, that stress of a Grand Slam that stressful for everybody, but, you know, he's still trying to get yeah. that, that, that maiden victory which will um, perhaps just free him up a little. So, you know, go, going through a lot physically, emotionally, mentally, and it just looked as, as though it caught up with him, but, you know, a few days off, um, he'll look to finish this, the, the season strong and, you know, someone we who went out early, but you know, will come into London with good memories. So Stefan Sitsipas, another name, but yeah, for Zverev, it was. Um, I think you know, when, when the dust settles, it's a good week. He played some some excellent tennis. He was pushed. Um, you know, any tournament you beat Rafael Nadal is a good one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and now twenty-one and four under the tutelage of David Ferrer. Yeah, I mean, you, it's won't surprise that won't surprise us. David Ferrer has some good ideas. I mean, listen, he's he's a good player already. Um, it may have happened, but we, I think. I'm, I'm not seeing, and I don't mean it's in a bad way, I'm not seeing the differences yet. It's going to take time. I mean, he was a good player already. It's not going to suddenly turn into a serve volley and a chip charger or, or things differently. But, you know, it's a slow work in progress. You've got to, you know, that's what the Spanish have believed in, working hard day in, day out, and, you know, becoming a little tougher uh, with the mentality, a little, um, you know, finding little gains here and there. Um, very much look forward to seeing how that works out. Has anything that you've seen in Paris over the last week changed or reshaped your thoughts going into the tour finals in London? It's like we don't normally see Raf Nadal at this time of year. Where does that put him for you going into London? A lot of people I've spoken to said, well, it's still Djokovic, isn't it? And now he's had a little rest before London. What are your, what are your thoughts ahead of these season-ending finals for a final time in London? Um, Djokovic is still the man to beat for me. It, it's, it's conditions he loves. Nadal, I mean, it's... It, it, he may have a little more to give because he hasn't, you know, he's often just spent by this term, by this t- time of the year. Um, but, you know, the conditions, he, he's, I think it's only the one tournament he's ever won indoors because it, it's easier to, uh, he won in Madrid, I think, back in 2005, something like that. And it's the type of game you need to play against Nadal, it's a lot easier to do it with a perfect bounce in, in good conditions. So, um, you know, Dominic team after a little rest and ri- li- riding the wave of US Open, uh, lots to look forward to and I'll put a smile on your face now I mean people told me Rublev were playing, was playing well the first set and a half I saw against Vavrinka 
It was, was it was possessed. <laughs> <laughs> He's moved from angry tennis to possessed. Um, it can be fascinating. You know, we always wonder how much, how, where in your comfort level is that? It doesn't, you know, he's, it's a little bit his style, isn't it? It's that sort of frantic kind of on the edge playing and, you know, how long can he maintain that? But I, I think because it's fresh, there might be some people coming in with, um, I think there's four or five people coming in thinking, I can win this. I love that. From angry to possessed, Andre <laughs> Rublev. <laughs> in a positive way. In a, of course, in a positive way. But for you, Djokovic still just yes. sits above the rest. He does. It's conditions he, he loves. And I think, you know, it's very easy to, to go back to the numbers with him. There's a reason why, you know, he's won over and over I think it's, it's it's he's now just sealed a six a year in number one I think he's won London perhaps six times as head to head against these guys um, coming in a little fresh I mean the only the only sort of asterisk I may have is how much has how much energy emotionally has he spent and will he recover because it would have been a blow what happened in New York you know he would have thought that was a n notching up um, you know another Grand Slam there into the final he looked a little spent to me in the final against uh, against Rafa um, so will he recover from that Okay, you mentioned four or five full of confidence. I want you to rate them in terms of confidence one to five so Djokovic you're putting it at the top there Djokovic at the top okay. uh, in terms of confidence or in well, terms of pro probability of who I put my money how would you, on. Oh, well, let's do that one then. Right. Probability Djok of putting money on. Djokovic. Um, actually, I might go with Medvedev now. I think, you know, the, the, the next day a little bit in, in the mix because he's um, in the mix teams, Zverev uh, and Medvedev. Uh, who else have we got? Hang on, did you just rattle through them there? Right. Djokovic top. Medvedev second. Second. Um, and who we go from there? Perhaps. Um, You're going to put angry and possessed in there, surely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's still. <laughs> listen, uh, uh, you know, I think that's what we found out here. Playing well, but there's still a little. There's a there's a reason why the guys have done what they've done. I think Zverev, perhaps the way he plays against Zverev, getting the ball up high will be harder for him to play. Um, can, can I have a tie with Zverev and team in third place? Yes. And then. <laughs> We'll put another. I'm sitting on the fence. A little no, sits a pass. Sitting on the fence. You can't put. You can't put the eight in by tying everybody <laughs> tying in. Saying that there's my. Here's my one to five. You can't have that. I'm gonna put. Okay, Djokovic, Medvedev. Yeah. Team. Yes. Zverev. Zverev. Sits a pass. Rublev. Oh, so you sat on the fence just at the bottom there. Well, no, I gone sits a pass. Rublev. Oh, so you give me six. Yeah, I thought you were. I thought you were leveling them out. Do you just want to do the final two as you've done six? Well, Djokovic and Medvedev. Okay, so you've sort of. I've given you an order there. You've given them the whole order. Yeah. Right. Is that not what you wanted? I think I'm slightly confused. But we've got our eight in there. Shall we go alternates? No, because we don't know them yet. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, thank you very much. We thank are going to be working together in London. Are we? Oh. So, oh. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say it's not great. the reaction we, we I was edit, expecting. We can edit that but part. Maybe, we'll I, edit that, maybe part. that was the reaction <laughs> I was expecting. Well, you know, you brought some chocolates today, so I do look forward to your company you. once again in London. So that's, that's the end of Miles, but he will, be back. <laughs> he will be back in a few days. It's also the end from Paris, but wonderfully, it's not the end of the podcast. Now, traditionally, in a non-COVID year, the end of Paris signals our trip to Milan for the next-gen ATP finals. Now, for obvious reasons, the event isn't taking place this year. But with a number of Italians, so many Italians coming to prominence this year, Tom Hinckley has been taking a closer look 
at Italian tennis. I think Italian tennis is uh, growing. At the moment, we are the future. That's too good. It is a rocket. Well, he is straight nitro. Italian tennis is undergoing a renaissance. With eight players in the world's top 100 and a host of prospects knocking on the door, the future of tennis, according to their leading light, Fabio Fanini, is bright. I think for... Italian tennis movement is quite good because more we are, better is it. So this is great. I think in the future probably we have four or five names that they are going to be on top of, of the tennis. While the promise of tomorrow excites, the stars of today are delivering. 2019 saw success for Fabio Fanini and Matteo Berrettini, with both men breaking into the world's top 10. It's really healthy. Uh, there are like uh, uh, Fabio that is still like, it's not old, like he, he's not old, like he, he can still win a lot of tournaments and achieve a lot of things. Fabio Fanini is a Masters 1000 champion. He can barely believe it. Fanini's first ATP Masters 1000 title in Monte Carlo paved the way. And with fine form across all surfaces, Berrettini qualified for the 2019 Nito ATP Finals. It's me there, kind of between him and Yannick. Matteo Berrettini ends his stay in London with a group victory. Along with Matteo's success, Italian teenager Yannick Sinner shone at the 2019 Next Gen ATP Finals in Milan, taking the title in front of a home crowd. Yannick Sinner, a winner on home soil. The achievements across all age groups in Italian tennis, no doubt inspiring to those just starting out. Remember the name, Lorenzo Musetti. Lorenzo Musetti is one such emerging star. Fabio Matteo are, are idols for me because uh, from my childhood I I, I grown uh, like uh, watching like them play and uh, for me they are they are an inspiration because uh, they they motivate me to to play better and to train harder and uh, to work harder. So I think they, they are my inspiration. We have uh, really good names even on the back. Uh, there is few players, junior, that not anymore junior, they are 18, but they still complete in the biggest tournament. Oh, wow. Absolute stunner. The depth of quality in Italy has caught the eye. Young talents like Musetti and Yannick Sinner are as excited for the future as those watching them emerge. Tennis, I think now, especially on boys, they are doing like a really great job and hope to, to join the, the team of the top 100 and to be one of the youngest guys in the, in the tour. It's good. I mean, uh, everyone is pushing each other. Um, even the more younger guys are playing incredible tennis. So I think uh, the future of, uh, of Italy, is, I hope so, it's going bigger and bigger. So uh, yeah, I think um, for sure it's, uh, it's a good start.
it's not only the players pushing tennis forward. With two year-ending events now to be hosted in Italy from 2021, the country has a pivotal role in the calendar. Matteo Berrettini again. Is that another beauty? It's really healthy and it's it's good that there are a lot of uh, people that are watching tennis here, hopefully in Milan and in Turin in next years. So uh, we're really, really happy for what is happening here in Italy for tennis. Now, one player who would have been appearing in Milan this year is a young man from Finland with a tricky game to deal with on the court and a tricky name to say off it. Rosobori. Okay, right, that, now we all know. So, well, first of all, congratulations on cracking the world's top 100. I mean, what does that mean to you? One of the goals for this year, for sure. It was uh, when they stopped the season, I was 101. And actually, I was supposed to be the next week, I was supposed to be number 99. <laughs> so uh, when they then they froze the rankings and they didn't update them anymore. So then I ended up being the 101. So... Uh, yeah, I still didn't crack it, but now that was one of the big goals and uh, now it's achieved and we'll go for the next ones. In general, how do you feel that you handle those pressure moments? Are you, are you a calm person? At least uh, so far, I think I've handled them pretty well. Like the, I enjoy the bigger matches. Uh, I like to play them like all the Davis Cups and uh, if you get to play on a bigger court in a tournament. Of course, here there is no crowd, but... Uh, so far, I've enjoyed playing the bigger matches. Talk to us about your game. What what's, what are your big shots? Aggressive baseliner, I guess. Try to take control with the servant forehand. And big from the back of the court then? You're not, you're not coming into the net much? Not too much, at least lately. But uh, we've worked on that too. And uh, actually here, I thought I played pretty cool from the, from the net too. So, I mean... Obviously, you're still very young. Um, how do you see yourself taking your game to the next level? Well, I mean, there is a lot to work on. I mean, on every aspect, there is nothing, nothing you can't improve. Still, I mean, that's a that's a good thing. Uh, feel like I uh, made some improvements during this time, and uh, hope we can keep keep getting them better. But yeah, I think there is not not one thing, nothing one thing that really points out, but not one thing that shouldn't be worked on. I mentioned before that you played on the Challenger Tour, and we'll talk about that in a little while because you had a great 2019 on the Challenger Tour. Um, how different is it when you get to this level? What What are the big differences? Um, well, it's just about the other players. I mean, they're better players overall. Like the the level is just a little bit higher. I mean, they play every every single point is uh, higher intensity, and you can't let anything go. Otherwise, uh, they will take it like immediately and uh, that's uh, what you see when you play against these guys and last year was good I got a lot of experience from that level and I was able to bring it out the whole season and that's something uh, we were like happy for because I was able to bring it out and uh, yeah just have a almost uh, uh, like a, the whole season I still had some trouble with the health but uh, in the end, but uh, yeah, overall it was a really good and like complete season. You mentioned 2019. Let, let's talk about 2019 because it was such a good year. Um, I mean, we we know you can beat top players. Do you beat Dominic Team in Davis Cup? Tell me, tell me about that because that seems from looking at your results, that seems to have had a big impact. Yeah, I mean, it did. Uh, of course, I was playing well at the time. I had won the 
the challenger in Mallorca. Uh, was thought I was playing very well. I have a lot of confidence, and uh, and then uh, I mean it was a big match. I mean we got to play at home. Uh, you don't get to do that too often when you're from from a small country like like Finland. Uh, and the ten- tennis is not the biggest sport there. And then we got it got to play home, and uh, they made it. We played it on a bigger arena. And there was actually a lot of people watching and uh, cheering, so that was something really special uh, for all of us, I'm, I'm sure. And uh, and then, well, the the whole weekend was was crazy. Uh, played some good tennis, and of course, uh, the conditions were were really good. But in Davis Cup, you just have to focus on on the one match. It's not the whole whole week or anything. So it's uh, uh, maybe a little bit easier to put all of your energy in the the one match or two matches. And uh, I was able to bring it out. Uh, and uh, of course, he he wasn't playing the same way maybe than he was then in playing in the uh, ITP finals. But yeah, I mean it's uh, just a, one match. But I was able to bring it out and take it home. And then we it was a tie. I mean lost the uh, deciding match. It was a lot of chances on each team on that one too. And then it was a matter of just a few points. And it was a tight tight weekend overall. It's still Dominic team though, isn't it? You, I mean, he was number five in the world then. He's number three now. Were there moments in the match when you thought, "God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat him. I, am I gonna beat him? How can I possibly be in this position?" Yeah, I mean, of course, the, the nerves were pretty high. I mean, he's an incredible player and uh, uh, took the lead and uh, won the first set. And then you start realizing, that, yeah, yeah, have a good chance here, and then just keep it going and. Then I was able to do it, and yeah, it was for sure one of the best weekends of my of my tennis career and uh, in my life overall. It was it was crazy. And you clearly enjoy playing in Finland because you you then won. I think the fourth of your challenger wins last year was in Helsinki. How special was that? Yeah, I mean, I, I like it's my it's my home club. I really like the courts, and I, of course, I played there so much that I know the conditions pretty well and. Uh, I won my first future actually also in the, the, the club and then uh, played a couple more Davis Cup matches on, on that club. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a special place for me. I really like the center court there. <laughs> I haven't lost too many matches on that court lately. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, uh, but yeah, to finish the season with that one, it's, it was something special. I mean, there was quite a few people actually watching that one too. And it felt like there was after Davis Cup and, because there was a little boom in, the, in tennis overall, so people were uh, following it and uh, coming to w- watch and cheer, and so it was, I mean, perfect way to end the season. Yeah, that was the 17th of November, and on the same day, pretty much at the same time, Dominic Team was playing the final in the Nito ATP Finals. I mean, that must have made you think as well there and then. You're there in the Challenger. The guy you've beaten earlier in the season is just losing the Nito ATP Finals. That must make you think, I can, yeah, I can do this. It was nice to see, of course, him too. I mean, he was playing some pretty good tennis and he had played good tennis the whole season. I mean, and that's, of course, what made him get there. I mean, playing the whole season, I mean, it's... Still, it's a one match that you can I beat him, and then you have to do it for the whole season. That's another thing. But yeah, of course, it brings, still brings a lot of confidence that you can do that, and uh, and you want to get there even more because you know that you can compete on that level. So, looking back, 
to, to last season, but also perhaps to beyond that. You mentioned the Magic Court at your home club in Helsinki. Were, were there moments down the years which may, really made you think, yes, I'm good enough, I can do this? Uh, were there specific moments that you remember? The last year of juniors, um, I kind of started making better results. And then in the end, I was uh, I won the, the Masters the junior masters in, in China, uh, in the, in the U S open, I had two match points in the semifinals. Uh, didn't take it, but then, uh, I beat the same guy in the masters final, uh, in three sets. And so there, of course you start to feel like, yeah, I mean, let's give it all, all you've got. And then slowly we fill it up and from the futures to the challengers. And, uh, now we get to play at this level. So, Really nice, I have to say. What do you feel that you learn from the Challenger Tour that you really do then take into the the ATP Tour? Well, it was a long process. Still, I uh, started last year from from the futures, and then slowly got a few chances to play at the Challenger level, and then won the first match, and then won a couple of other, and then came the first first tournament win. And but yeah, I was just just. Uh, building it up and uh, taking the experience and especially learning from the losses. I think that was, that made a big difference. Started taking those, like we started looking at the losses a little closer and uh, whatever, like small thing we could improve. And uh, I think we did a good job there. And uh, then I was just building the confidence, building the game. And then eventually, I mean, it still happened pretty fast. I mean, I started winning, uh, and then one for challenger in the in the end, but yeah, and also like I said before, just playing for the like a longer period for the whole season at that at that level, and uh, just to work every day. Uh, that's kind of what you learn that you have to do if you want to beat those guys. It's interesting you say you you look at the losses more as you as you get higher up. What what were the I guess the common things that you and your coach I guess were were often seeing was it just Obviously, sometimes you're beaten by a better player, maybe. But when it was you, what what were the things that you kept on coming back to? Felt like there was like just many things. I mean, of course, depends on the conditions a little bit. Of course, depends on who you play. It's different things that come up. But there was, I think, uh, it wasn't. At least I felt felt like there wasn't just a few things. It was all more just the whole package pretty much the, to get like everything a little bit better and just take closer to the lines harder just like things like that it's uh they make in the end they make a make a huge difference and then playing the uh, key moments and just the overall intensity you can keep it up for longer and the whole week and then uh, many weeks in a row and just uh, it's many things it's just tough to point out a few and tactically do, do you almost get more tactical as you build your game? Do you, do you build the tactics and take more tactics into a game? Yeah, I mean, you have to start looking at that way too more because they also do it for you. Uh, they start looking at what what they can, uh, how they can hurt you and uh, they will do it better the higher you go. <laughs> and they will put more focus on that one already before the match and just to be like every situation they want to be prepared for everything and that's of course something you have to do yourself and uh, with your team so yeah that's a big part of it uh, I think 
So yeah, it's, uh, it gets very tactical. In terms of the players that you admire or you're looking to emulate, I guess, out on tour, are you looking more at the players your age and just a little bit older than you? Or is it the players who've been out on tour for a long time? Because some of the younger guys are almost, you know, more keen to really talk about the players their age. Are you the same? Well, I mean, it's nice because I've played them some of with, with some of them I played already junior with and they're here now and some of them played juniors before me and uh, they went up maybe a little faster or younger and you see them and it's I mean it's nice to see them there but I mean of course when you then get to see all the guys the young uh, older guys have been here for a long time you get to see what they do and that's I think you get out maybe a little bit more even than the, than the younger guys because of course they've been they have so much experience and you see what they do and then if you always look if you can get something out of it and so I'll give you I'll give you an example. Would you be more inspired by Novak Djokovic or by what Yannick Zinner did last year, winning next gen? What what gets you what gets you going more? Oh, probably say, say Yannick. Like this guy, it's for myself, but then it's it's a different things that Novak is doing. I mean, <laughs> uh, but then of course when you see things like. Like Yannick did last year, it's like you want to do that one also. It's uh, maybe a little bit closer than than the things that uh, Novak is doing at the moment. So in that sense, it, I would say. That. Yeah, it's a shame you're not going to get to play next gen this year because it's been suspended. But that must have been a, a a real, you know, driving motivation for you before at the start of the year. Yeah, I mean, it was already uh, last year. I wasn't too far, and we talked about it with my coach last year, and it was one of the goals. And yeah, unfortunately there. Not able to make it this year, uh, but it's a pretty weird going going on. So I mean, just happy that we can play some tournaments now, and um, it, uh, hope that we can keep keep going on playing. So that's the still the most important thing. Emil, I just wanted to ask you as well about Finland. You mentioned before, you know, growing up in in Finland, and um, you know, tennis perhaps not being the obvious choice. When did you? find tennis talk to me about that story yeah so i was five years old i was playing badminton with my mom in uh, this local sports hall i uh, just actually i can still see it from my window at home uh, the place and uh, yeah we we're playing there and uh, my first coach just came up to me uh, and asked if i want to come and try to play tennis uh, he was there with their daughter's uh, gymnast practice and uh, yeah it just came up to come up to us and asked, and then I went, and that's 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 it. Then then it started, and right away I I, I always liked all the ball sports, and uh, I can pretty much play every every ball sports. Uh, so, but then somehow tennis was hit me. And as a kid in Finland, I mean, how, how easy is it to to get into tennis? Uh, what's the I, I'm I haven't really got a concept of what the weather would be like for most of the year to play tennis, for example. Is it is it difficult? It's mostly indoors. So I mean, there is a lot of courts indoors. Uh, so I mean, it's it is very like possibly it's not tough to play tennis. Of course, it's uh, if you then want to like play it seriously and go on some tournament it's uh, it's pretty expensive of course uh takes a lot of from the family like like mine too to some effort to make it happen 
and it's not it's quite small sport in Finland so of course there's not the moment at least there's much more kids that then get to into ice hockey or football or something like this rather than tennis but I guess the idols you you mentioned you know, there haven't been many uh, Finnish tennis idols I guess Jarko Niemannen one of the few um was was he always someone that you looked up to Definitely um yeah since I was young I, mean, I was following him because he was there up there uh the guys before him I, w- I was too young to follow so he was the first one and uh and he's still involved because he's the Davis Cup captain and uh, still practice with him it's with us uh, with quite a few of us and, and the younger guys in Finland uh, so yeah he's still part of it and it's nice to be good because there isn't too many guys so if he can share the experiences I mean he has a lot of it <laughs> from a long long period of time and so it's uh, really nice because such a nice guy and uh, always if you have something to ask or and my coach is also uh, very much involved with him and they talk a lot and so yeah it's nice to have him and those middle years between you know when you start the game before say 10 and then when it really takes off the the early teens were they tough um uh, people talk about them there being lots of distractions in that time with other sports and other things that you want to do how did you kind of get on with all of that yeah i mean there was tougher times for sure uh when it was wasn't maybe so much fun playing but uh there i have to thank my parents uh kept like they pushed just uh that much to get me playing and uh just go to the practices and stuff and then let's say before you like eight nine years old and so there i have to thank my parents but yeah i mean you live a little bit different life than the other kids your age for sure i mean doing uh morning practices when i was really young and it's a it's quite a different life and you have to give up something but then of course you get something uh back so it's a but i've always liked it so for me then it never was a problem and when you're not playing tennis or when you weren't playing tennis coming through what what were you doing what what else do you like doing always like to play every kind of sport especially when i was younger i we did well i ice hockey i, I actually played a lot i well i did go to a few like actual uh, in a team where practices like just a couple but then I always like to just go out and uh, have some fun, fun with friends and play. Play. So we used to do it before and after tennis practices uh, at the younger age. And uh, yeah, friends, family, I mean, that's a big part of it. It still is uh, the time that I have them spent with the friends and stuff. Ice hockey is a pretty physical sport, isn't it? Though I mean, at, at what stage did your coach say to you, hang on, Emil? No more ice hockey. You can you can fit more fishing, less ice hockey. Yeah, well, it's uh, not so serious when you go out. I mean, there's during the winter there's a lot of just this rings outside that you can go out, and there's a lot of people. I mean, there's there's no contact, so it's just fun. So it's not not so dangerous if you know what you're doing. So it's it's okay. But yeah, if you play in a team, then then it will be a little different thing coach wouldn't be too happy and just finally Emil you mentioned goals a little bit earlier obviously the next gen finals were going to be a goal this year what kind of goals are you are you and your coach setting yourself at the moment given how well it's going 
now I just I hope we can keep going and play the tournaments. So that's that's the first thing. So it's a, it was a little tough to set goal when they stopped everything. Uh, but now we're back and uh, so there's no no limits at the moment. I mean, just keep going, uh, get the ranking as high up uh, high as possible, get the as much much uh, matches as possible. The experience from uh, different guys playing different kind of uh, opponents and uh, yeah, then just improve their own game like we've been doing and uh, see how high you can go and how deep in, in the tournaments you can go. Thank you very much. No worries. Thank you. Emil Roussevori speaking with Seb Lozier. So that is it for this week. Now, next week, ahead of the Tour Finals, a very special interview with the man who won the very first edition of the Tour Finals, Stan Smith. So watch out for that, expected with you on Saturday. And we'll be back with commentary from Sunday, 11.30 a.m. build up to the final NITO ATP Finals from London. Until then, stay safe.